everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. And today, I'm very happy to announce the newest member of the Fish Bite podcast. You probably know him from around Miami Marlins beat, from around Twitter, talking about that great ice cream machine in the press box. Uh, good old Mr. Craig Mish is going to be joining the Miami Herald as a senior baseball contributor. Craig Mish, it's great to have you. How have you been, buddy? Hey, Jordan, it's great to be with you here, and I'm really excited to join you and, and the great team over at Herald Sports. It's really uh, an honor because uh, for many years growing up in South Florida, reading the Herald every day, and to think that I now have the opportunity to just be a small part of what you guys are doing is is really exciting. So yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be doing this podcast together on occasion, and obviously we'll, uh, we'll be writing a lot for, for the Herald and doing some insider columns and also, Jordan, you know, the important thing that I want to mention for a lot of people who have listened to my podcast on Swings and Mishes, that's going to continue. So those of you who have been listening all along or even going to the website, swingsandmishes.com, we are still full force continuing with that as well. So this is just uh, an add-on to the work that I am doing with the Marlins. And Jordan, thank you so much again for uh, having me on the podcast today. Ready to get into it. Yeah, we're happy to have you, Craig. And just really quickly, for those who may not know you, which, again, anyone listening to a Marlins podcast or around the Marlins just in general know who you are, but just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the field? Who are you? What's your – just give them a little a little taste of what of who Craig Mish is away from the job. Sure, and, and I think that's a great question because a lot of people have reached out to me through the years asking sort of how this all happened and, and how they can get involved and do podcasts and covering baseball. And, and I think that I'm probably a good lesson in uh, really hard work and just trying to uh, achieve goals because certainly I still have a lot of other goals that I'd like to achieve in my life. But as far as accomplishing what I have as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, Jordan, at a very young age, I was very much into into baseball and and uh, going to spring training games is really one of the big thrills that I had in my life. As somebody who was 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, going to Fort Lauderdale Stadium and going to Pompano Park and really fell in love with baseball at that time, getting to meet players and, and certainly, uh, you know, really enjoy that. And uh, throughout high school, Jordan, I thought I was going to be playing at a very high level at baseball. And then one day the coach came to me and said, uh, Craig, it'd probably be a better idea if you were the announcer for the team. And boy, did that really stick in me right at that time. But that's the truth. That's what happened. And then from there, I was the uh, PA announcer for my my team, which was North Miami High School. I went to high school in North Miami Senior High. Uh, went to college, Jordan, like you did at the University of Florida. So go, go Gators there <laughs> and broadcasting, you know, went through WRUF radio and WFT TV and, and really special place in my heart for the Florida Gators. And, uh, you know, after that, uh, it did a lot of radio and TV around the state of Florida, Sarasota, and of course, Miami and, and, and doing a television show for Fox Sports Florida for 10 years at the time with Mikasuki Sports Wrap with the great Kim Camper and Joe Rose and Steve Goldstein and the great crew we had there. And, uh, and yeah, and, and so from there, Jordan, it just became more of a passion for me to really dive deeper into covering the Marlins. And I did, and I, and I've always covered them sort of on and off, not as intensely as I have over the last four or five years, but I really felt like I found a niche for this. And that's when I uh, developed uh, swings and misses and then really wanted to step out there and, and do a little bit more and cover baseball, be more of an insider. And Jordan, as you can see, I'm doing more on the national side as well. I've been hired by major league baseball net, uh, network uh, as a contributor 
But I, I would just say to anybody, and I get contacted a lot about this, about podcasts and about writing and doing all these things. And Jordan, you know, you know, you've you've gone through it. You got to be mm-hmm. versatile. You cover the Panthers too, I know, and you cover South Florida sports. You, you have to be able to do a lot of different things. Uh, this industry, you really have to be versatile, be willing to try, and and most importantly, I think you you have to value your work, which means a lot of times I know that there are people who are out there. That, uh, that, you know, they're writing columns and they're doing different things to try and prove themselves. But, you know, really feel good about the work that you're doing. If you're passionate about something, uh, you know, stand up and, you know, get yourself paid and, and get yourself a job. I know it's easier said than done. But to me, that's a very important part of, of what I've gone through, especially over the last 10, 20 years, making sure, Jordan, that uh, I am fairly compensated and also fairly appreciated for the hard work that I put in. No doubt about it. And one of your first points about how you got into it kind of segues into our first topic, which is spring training. We were all hoping and wishing that February 17th would go off. We'd be there. Pitchers and catchers be there. We'd be going without a hitch. But now MLB sent a proposal to the Players Association basically asking to push everything back about a month, have the season start mid-April, have spring training start mid-March and cut the season by about eight games. We'll have the players still have their full, get the full salary for 162. Obviously there are a lot of other components that go into it. The players based off what it looks like, hasn't been really receptive to it. Just what's your read on this? And I know you had, you had an inkling that something like this was coming as well. Yeah, Jordan, as you know, before we did this podcast, uh, you, you and I discussed topics and 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 I sent you this <laughs> before it came out that uh, that I, this was something that I wanted to talk about, that I had heard that spring training was going to be delayed. Now, there, this is this is really complicated because there's a few things that I have heard that's a little bit different from what's been reported publicly by some of the really good people who cover major league baseball, by the way, uh, I, I think everything that you've seen reported is accurate. And, and all of the things in terms of, uh, you know, the, the late start date and 154 games and Jordan, the trade-off for the universal DH versus uh, the postseason money. And I know that there's some discrepancy, I believe between the two sides on where that postseason money is actually going. I don't know if that's been reported yet either. But uh, the, the one thing that I could tell you, Jordan, the, the two words that you don't want to hear over the next, let's say, two weeks, let's call it two weeks, maybe longer, is executive clause. Yeah. Now, I understand that, uh, especially over uh, on ESPN, Jeff Passan men- mentioned that in his column last night. The executive clause, Jordan, basically means that the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, can essentially halt activities in spring training halt activities during the regular season due to the pandemic and the potential health effects from that. Now that is a major, major, uh, that's a major, major issue, I would say. And I use double major here because if that happens, you're talking about a mushroom cloud between these two sides, the owners and the players, because Jordan, the players would not be paid during this time. If he invokes that executive clause, I, I know that it seems like a long shot at this point, but we've been down this road before. And I got to tell you, even though it's being reported and maybe maybe I'm off on this, I feel like there is a chance that this is going to be pushed to the edge. The owners do not want to start the season on time. The later it starts, 
the more fans will be at the game, the more tickets will be sold and the more money that they can make. And we're talking about a month. I would hate to see it come to that. But Jordan, that is the key two word clause here. Executive clause. If you hear that being brought up more and more over the next couple of weeks, I think that there is some trouble. Yeah. And it's just the latest edition of everything that's gone on between how they had the, how they were negotiating with everything with last year, with the pandemic, with trying to get the season on time, knowing that they have to negotiate a new CBA, which their current one expires at the end of December. This feels like it's going to be a real litmus test for how things are going to continue to evolve as MLB and the player association continue to try to find a middle ground, which let's face it over the last 12 months, they're really, they really haven't been able to find one. <laughs> no, no. And Jordan on Monday morning, Roger Dean Chevrolet stadium, the home of the Cardinals and Marlins, they delayed their sales for yeah. uh, season ticket holders to buy tickets. So look, I'm not saying that, that they know everything, but certainly I would guess that a facility that's going to have fans and players playing in their stadium in a month, no more than we do. And for them to delay the start of sales for spring training tickets, I think does tell you that there is a real chance that this still does happen. I understand that the reporters, the national reporters who are covering this, uh, my colleagues, I would say, have been very adamant that the players can still force the issue and report on time. But Manfred holds that card, Jordan, in the back of his pocket with that executive club. He could do it. I'm not saying that he will. I don't know that he will, but it is a real thing. And if that happens, I, I, I don't even know where we would go. It would, it would put everything in jeopardy, but hate to start off the podcast <laughs> with this, but that's where we're at. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Let's shift over to some actual baseball and some actual Marlins news. We got to talk with general manager Kim Ang on Friday, and it was the first real update since the, since the first of the year directly from her. And the biggest insight that I got, or, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but outside of potentially adding another bullpen arm, it seems like they're relatively fine with going into spring training whenever it is with the roster they have on hand. Yeah, Jordan, that, that's that's pretty good observation on your part because I believe that that is the case too. But I, I think I think things are still percolating and things are in motion. Nobody wants to hear that. And I know that's not exciting to hear that things are happening because things are happening for every Major League Baseball team. But I, I do believe, as I said the other day on social media, on Twitter, at Craig Mish, that this is the Marlins squad, more or less, for mm-hmm. 2021. 
Now, that that's a little bit of a deviation, Jordan, from what we heard a month and a half ago from Kim Ang, yep. because if you go back and 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 listen or watch her uh, her interviews, she did say that they were looking for a bat, and then this past week there was no mention of that. So uh, you know, I did ask about that, and and she basically said said that the situation hadn't presented itself. And then of course, at that point, that's when I got to go to work, Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Like I got to find out <laughs> like, okay, like what's the deal here? Like, is it, I, I still think it could happen. I, I, I'm not ruling it out. We'll, uh, we'll get into their possible trades here coming up in just a minute. But as you alluded to, I definitely believe another arm is coming for the bullpen late inning arm. They have had discussions with two players that I can name here on the podcast one is Chasen Shreve, who is a free agent, who was not retained by the New York Mets, who, if you go back to 2020, dominated the Marlins last year. Just like I, I think he was the best pitcher against the Marlins last year until they got to the postseason. Left-handed pitcher, definitely could be a late-inning option. And uh, while Ollendorf is probably... Uh, excuse me, uh, Ross Ollendorf. Ross Detweiler <laughs> is probably... Two Ro- different Rosses. Uh, what Ross Detweiler is probably more of a long option and also a sixth guy to start as a possibility. I definitely think that Shreve could be possible, although it would be on a very minimal contract or, you know, a million dollars one year, maybe NRI. And then as everybody's probably asking uh, about Brandon Kinsler, what's the story there? Well, they definitely have an open line of communication there. They definitely would still like to bring Brandon Kinsler back. I would have thought by now, that that he would have been brought back but he has not he's still going to weigh offers from a lot of teams including Miami and I think that what Kinsler's going to have to decide is that is he willing to uh, take less money than he than he got last year with the Marlins because it's definitely going to happen or is is he would he take a non-roster invitation or would he take a minimal contract Jordan to go pitch with a team that can win the World Series no disrespect to the Marlins but they're not going to be favored to win the World Series and he's going to have those options so I think the Marlins got to probably act quick here over the next couple of weeks because if they really want to bring him back because Jordan in my estimation I don't see him unsigned uh in the next week or two I think that he's going to decide to I I think he's been waiting to see if the Marlins honestly are going to uh, put something forward here and bring them back. But to this point, it hasn't happened. Yeah, and I mean, we know what Kinsler did for the Marlins. 2-2-2 ERA, their closer through and through, came in through in all clutch situations. And then Shreve, 3-7-4 career ERA. He hasn't given up a run in his career against the Marlins. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, eight games, zero ERA. 9-2-13. Sorry, he gave one run, zero unearned runs. But right. 17 strikeouts in nine and two thirds career innings against the Marlins. So I guess maybe it'd be better for them to get him so they don't have to face him. Yeah, I mean, if that's that's definitely one route to go with it. But definitely, it, I agree with you. They need to get some sort of other arm, especially if you can have a late inning guy to go with Yimmy Garcia and Anthony Bass. If you have that set that steady trio, and again, you have you have a uh, Richard Blyer and James Hoyt, but they haven't really been proven in that area yet. If you can have another proven guy to go with those with the two of Bass and, and Gimme. I feel like that at least gives you a little bit more confidence knowing you have the that trio of options more so than two and not knowing what could happen on any given day. But to move over to the next thing you touched on, trade rumors, they've been connected with a few people in terms of position players. Uh, Wilson Contreras, Ben Attendee, Anthony Santander, the most recent one. 
how legit were those rumors, how involved were, were the processes, and if any, do you can you envision any of these three or any others potentially coming through? <laughs> well, I haven't heard of a fourth, but those are the three that have been out there. I believe that the that that all have a chance but I would not put people like percentages Jordan from me I would not put any above 50 right now I would say that's kind of where they're at where they've had the conversations they've talked about theories concepts and in at least one case players but it didn't get any further than that and that happens a lot with trades you you inquire you talk about players and then things just stop I think that the other sides Jordan in this case Chicago Boston Baltimore would have to be motivated the Marlins appear to be motivated to acquire these three players, but they're not matching up yet on the concepts of the trades. Probably the least likely is Wilson Contreras. No one's quite sure what the Cubs are doing or want to do. Now they're signing players all of a sudden before they were dumping players. Uh, Contreras is an extension candidate. He's also a trade candidate. So catchers are very difficult to acquire just before a season. And we're closing in on, on really having to report whether they report or not. Now, remember a lot of those guys are going to be there anyway, probably unless they you know, stop them from reporting, which I don't see. So Contreras, unfortunately appears to be uh, the least likely uh, Anthony Santander, who was reported by Raku Botko from mass and sports rock. And I go very far back in terms of coverage. We talk about a lot of different things. I, I don't know how far this one is Jordan, but I can tell you that the Orioles and Marlins have had a really good working relationship it is sort of unique to see them make two pretty significant trades in two years. They, in one year, they, they traded for Jonathan VR, as you remember last year, and then they traded for Richard Blyer during the season. And, and I think that those two teams have a good working relationship. And so I could see them making more deals in the future uh, right now. Uh, the, and Mike Hill previously was a president and, and now you have Kim Eng as the general manager. Mike Elias is on the side of the Baltimore Orioles and Mike is very reasonable. Mike Elias in terms of making trades and very fair so I could see a possibility there. I know Miami also had inquired about Miguel Castro before he went to the Mets last year, which is a real shame. I think Castro has got a chance to be a star. I think Castro may end up being the Mets uh, closer in the future too. I think he's going to be great. Uh, so then the third trade would be uh, Andrew Benatendi. And that one really was the closest, at least in, in my mind, from what I heard, because I'd actually heard names were exchanged there. Okay. And, and again, Miami doesn't want to give up the players yet that Boston wants to give. Uh, let's also not forget some trades happen the night before the major league baseball season. I can go back the last 10 years. There's always some crazy whopper of a trade the night before Kimbrell happened one year, Kevin Pillar happened one year. Maybe this is the kind of thing where Boston's going to bring Ben Attendee to spring training and then trade him right before the season or in spring training too. So I wouldn't rule that one out. Miami is, has a surplus of outfielders. So when you're talking about a trade for Benatendi, I think that's what you're, you're talking about. One of those outfielders going the other way back to uh, Boston and, and maybe even a, a starting pitcher, young starting pitcher of some kind, two for one or three for one deal. No, nothing that will you know, change the Marlins roster adversely, but this would give Andrew Benatendi a, a chance to play uh, right field right now, Jordan. It is uh, Lewis Brinson against lefties and Magnera Sierra against righties. That's the way that I believe the season will open for them. Yeah, that's been my thought process on that as well. I mean, with the way Brinson played at the end of last year, you knew they were going to have to give him at least one more chance or at least open up spring training, give him a chance. And Magnery Sierra is the only lefty option outside of Jesus Sanchez who has MLB experience among their roster at this point. So, And also the fact that Sierra doesn't have options, so he's either on the roster or you have to find a way to 
either trade him or just cut him loose. Yeah. So at this point, yeah. that's Harold sort of- Ramirez is sort of the odd man out here. I, I don't, yeah, I just don't know. I suppose he could be their fifth outfielder, but um, and, and he's a good player. He could he could probably start for I don't know five ten teams. I would say right now in that's the big fair. leagues, it's just there's just not room for him. And if they if they did trade Harold Ramirez, it would be a great story, Jordan, for the Marlins because it'd be like a really good sell high for them, but buy low, sell high because uh, I know he got hurt and. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a good player. I, I think he can start for someone, but Miami's just got a backlog of outfielders and you're absolutely right against lefties. They want to give Brinson another shot and, and Sierra played well enough to deserve another he opportunity did. too. So, and, and remember uh, Dickerson could sit against left-handed pitching a little bit in left field and, and they could put uh, Brinson in left and uh, they have a lot of mix and matches, but I, I just don't know that there's a spot for Harold. I think they're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. And then there's one more topic that I know you want to talk about a little bit, which is Brian Anderson. Uh, we're going to go back and compare some quotes here a little bit. Uh, when we talked with general manager Kim Ang about a month and a half ago, you asked her outright what you want to see or what it would take for Brian Anderson to get a long-term extension. And her response was, I would say, personally, I'd like to see how the year goes before we venture down that road. You asked her specifically on Friday, uh, what she wants to see from him. And her response is, I'm not sure we're looking for anything particular. Brian is who he is, and he can do what he can do. I'm not setting goals. Wouldn't want to give him that, that impression. What's your read on this situation? It's obviously Brian Anderson. He's their homegrown player. They're most successful of their homegrown players. He's been in. He's been here for three years. He's three solid years in the big leagues. Gold Glove finalist last year. They gave him a pretty high 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 salary in arbitration to avoid arbitration but obviously again it's the one-year deal just what's your read on how this is unfolding right now yeah it's 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 really curious you know in the past when they had a player that they were kind of dancing around giving an extension to or dancing around really uh, talking about if you remember especially with the trades jordan if you remember mike hill and uh, marlon ceo Derek jeter would say very often the player knows how we feel about them. That was the, that was the go-to quote. JT knows how we feel about them. This player knows how we feel about them. But in this case, when, when, when Kim Ng was asked the first time, she was pretty definitive on saying that she wanted to see him for a year. So at that point, uh, I had, I had heard from a couple of different sources that told me that that comment was just really not well received by people that were close to Brian Anderson. And, and I can't really blame them because there really wasn't, a lot of overly positive things said other than I got to see him play for a year. And, and Kim as the new general manager has the absolute right to say that she had only been on the job for a couple of months, but uh, I did, I did ask the question again to sort of get more of an expansion of that. And you just read the quotes here. I don't think that we got all that much different with that. Uh, the good news is, is that Anderson's already reported to Jupiter. He's working out with his team or even solo. I don't even know uh, how to even say that properly or what's exactly going on. I know he is here and, and he's already reported early, uh, but it's, it's, it's not a great situation. I mean, you would love to see either a discussion about that possibility, or you would love in my mind personally to see more positive things said about the player. And I know that that can hurt when it comes to arbitration because they could go to arbitration with him again next year. It could also hurt as far as a contract extension in the future, but to me, a little disappointing to see those comments, not once, but twice. And so I would say at this point, very low percentage chance before opening day that Anderson is extended. 
And boy, he's going to be in a really good spot if this guy goes out and has a go. And he was close to a gold glove last year. If he has a gold glove this year, Jordan, and, and they play 162 or 154, and this guy hits 20 home runs and drives in 80, 90 runs and the on-base percentage of 33, 34%, he's, he's developing into one of the better third basemen in Major League Baseball. So I think it's a mistake. I think Miami really needs to take a look at this and really at least consider what the possibility would be of signing him long-term as opposed to saying that we need to see him for a year. Sorry. Just can't agree with that comment. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you on that. I've, especially after seeing, seeing what we saw from him in 2019, I, I felt like that seeing that breakout year from 2019 was an indication that if things go well in 2020, obviously the season happened the way it happened, but the fact that he was able to not just, and not just repeat it, but build on that and throw and show two steady seasons on top of his his fourth place rookie of the year season in 2018. The Marlins are only going to have so many of these players at who are at that point in their career, and he's proven that he can be one of their guys, and he's shown the interest of wanting to be here long term as well. So you would think that that marriage would naturally start to come together, and. There's just that wall right now that needs to needs to break down. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point that you brought up too. I should have brought it up as well. That Anderson, when I asked him during the season, he he mentioned that he would love to be a Marlin too. So, and and again, these things always have their their way of of getting back to one another, and things could certainly change. But you you would love to see at least uh, you know a discussion or at least a, a possibility of it. But that's where we're at right now with Anderson. Yep. Yep. And before we wrap up this episode, just want to say a quick congratulations to former Marlins uh, president of baseball operations, general manager, Michael Hill, who MLB is reportedly hiring to become their senior VP of on-field operations. I know ever since he was not retained by the Marlins organization, he's been trying to get back in, in back in the field. He's hot, he, re, he interviewed for several spots, but nothing came about it. But now he's heading to MLB central office. Yeah, that's great news for for Michael Hill. I would expect him in short order within a year or two to be back as as general manager or president somewhere in in baseball operations. So uh, Mike, a great guy. Things did not uh, end well for him here, certainly, but Marlins had to make their choice as far as what they wanted to do. And, And Mike will serve very well, I think, in that role. So you're right. Congratulations to Mike. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much, everyone. Craig, thanks for joining me. We'll do this again in a couple weeks. Hopefully have a little bit more insight on when we'll actually be starting up. But until then, thanks so much, everyone. 